This is Bracket Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights Week 4 Recap Edition. We are here to break down all of the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was one of the best weekends in college football to date, and definitely so far of the season. And looking ahead might be uh, might be the hallmark weekend of the entire season when all is said and done. Uh, before we get into that recap, I need to introduce my co-host. My, Matt. my name is Madison. I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm I'm hanging in there. I uh, I have a little low energy today. Um, I think that's uh, uh, typically a good sign of uh, of a great Saturday of college football. It was packed from beginning to end. There was nonstop uh, football action. Great matchups. Um, was one of those weekends where was one of those days where you had to have multiple TVs um, at all times uh, with with you know because there were so many good games in each slate. So um, you know it was a great uh, great Saturday. Really felt for the first time. I don't know how you feel about this. You you have attended a game already, so um, it, it might seem kind of crazy for me to say this, but it felt like the first true weekend of of college football where there was a lot on the line it was like okay now we're going i know there's been a couple upsets and um you know the season's been going for what four weeks now but really felt like it was the first uh the first time uh where there was real consequences on the table so um, a lot to dive into a lot to get to um you know it was uh it was a solid solid week college football yeah i agree with you i think that from from top to bottom obviously um, the team that we follow the most closely, the Georgia Bulldogs, they had UAB. That wasn't necessarily something I was super hyped for or, or really circling with a red pin about like, oh my gosh, I'm nervous. So last week certainly felt higher stakes from a standpoint of that. Um, but from a standpoint of, okay, this is real. We're, you know, Most of the teams, if not all, you know, we're, are now in conference play and we're starting to get some of those matchups. You get some rivalries, which really to me aren't actually rivalries, um, you know, but you did have FSU Clemson. That's a big one. Um so there, it started to feel, to your point, like, okay, this is like real football. And and I don't, I hate doing this because I know it upsets you. But then part of me also looks at it and I'm like, we're doing the week four recap. Like we are like I know. barreling ahead a third of the way through the oh. season at the end of this. So um, it just, that's the thing about college football. It's, go, it's here and it's gone so dang quick. And it, I, I will say when we get to the middle of bowl season, I'll feel like, okay, like it feels like it's just kind of chugging 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 and, and i'm ready i'm kind of ready at that point for it to slow down but the regular season just goes so dang quick um and and the fact that you had to wait till week four to get good matchups that kind of sucks i will say um but yeah no definitely a fantastic weekend i'm a little low energy as well um i i had multiple tvs going but we posted up um at a sports bar here in town pretty much all day didn't realize until we like left like okay i was like oh i want to get back to the house to see uh, Georgia play so I can have the sound on and stuff and I wasn't sure that I was gonna be able to jockey for the Georgia UAB game to be on with everything that was happening um, you know and, and we left and I was like holy crap we've been here all day long so um, yeah low energy had a lot to, to catch up on today uh, chore wise because uh, yesterday I got absolutely nothing done because it was just one of those weekends where if you weren't glued to a TV what were you doing um, I know that there's another podcast that uh uh, we listen to, uh, I don't know if you do, Pierce, but I know Dad and I do, and they talk about a window of opportunity. There was one. That, there was not a window of opportunity yesterday. There there was no chance to peel yourself away from a TV yesterday and go run any errands or anything. You had to be 
glued to it from start to finish. And the cool thing was everybody came out in full force and, and there was a lot of jockeying for TVs and stuff uh, where I was because everybody, it felt like everybody had a reason to care about their game. Um, and, and you loved to see that. Um, yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and hit with the uh, the leaderboard here and how everybody did this past week uh, in the Pick'em Pool. Finishing at the top of the leaderboard, sole leader for week four would be Mr. Grant. He went 15-4 and four on the weekend. Uh, his Vanderbilt Commodores might not have pulled out the, the win at home versus Kentucky, but he should be feeling good about that. Uh, and then tied for second, we had three people. Luke, our six-year-old resident whiz kid, 13-6. Our dad, 13 and 6, and Carly, 13 and 6. Carly remains top the uh, year to date leaderboard so far in the season, 60 and 32. I'm right behind her, though. Right under her heels, 50 and 34. Uh, my picks didn't do so, or my, uh, my, my bets did not do so hot, though. My easy peasies did not do so hot. Um, but hey, you win some, you lose some. I lose a lot. I lose a lot. I'll say that. I'll say that. But my picks have been doing pretty well so far this season. So uh, I will say that, that that has felt good. I did not go through Pierce and look at how we did with uh, the, the pickums that we did with, with Hank. Um, I don't know if you did and you have the records, but um, or the easy peasy records. Either Let's one. see. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tally it up real quick uh, as we're getting into it and, and blurt it out. I have not tallied them up. Um, I think though, uh, I went two and one on the easy peasies. Um, looks like Hank went uh, three and zero, oh, so he is still undefeated in wow. his uh, with his easy peasies. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't. <laughs> one of the few games I did not watch yesterday was the James Madison game. I know you were um, all about it that. I don't know hit. what the. It did not hit. Okay, you had uh, you had the seven, you had UAB. Okay, yep, you had UAB plus forty two. You lost under there. Um, you lost Rutgers, but barely Rutgers got out to a good, good start there. Um, over 44, which I believe lost. And then Tennessee minus 21 over UTSA, which was a win. So, um, looks like you had, uh, I think a two and four day or a three and three day, um, depending on that over. Okay. Well, Hey, like I said, you win some, you lose So 50% is, is pretty common for me. So I will take it. Um, let's see here. Yeah, we'll go through, and, and while we're talking, I'll kind of tally things up. I'll have the official score uh, for how we did with our pickums at the end of all this. Um, you ready to jump into our good, bad, and uglies? Let's do it. All right. I will start it off. My good is the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm not going to lie, and i got to put my hand up here. I have been not high on Ohio State all year. I thought their quarterback issues were uh, going to be a big issue in this game. Uh, and with the whole country watching them, because they were the late game, they get it done at Notre Dame, a Notre Dame that's been very hot, the hottest they've been in years. Sam Hartman, um, you know, he's been absolutely dominant in the game so far. Now, people will say they haven't played anybody, and that that is true. Um, but to get the win, Ohio State does 17-4 to last-minute touchdown to put them over the top there. And I don't know if you saw Pierce, but uh, going back and watching the replays, it's all over social media. Notre Dame, kind of a snafu at the end. They only had uh, 10 people on the field, so they weren't even totally ready to go, uh, you know, I don't even think they melted down. I'm not going to knock Notre Dame for this. I think Ohio State just got their crap together and, and just reiterated to the college football world, like, hey, we are still one of the top dogs in the nation. Uh, they've kind of fallen off because of the quarterback issues, because of some of the sleepy starts, and because of the fact that they haven't gotten past Michigan the last few years. But let's not forget they were within inches not inches, I guess it was a few yards, <laughs> but they were one kick away from beating Georgia and then probably winning the national championship last year. Um, and even in a, a game where Marvis, Marvin Harrison Jr. went down pretty hard, he did come back in, but he didn't have the best night ever. Um, Omega Abuka, no, yes, Omega Abuka, 
he um, stepped up for them there at receiver. And uh, McCord looked, I mean, he's not CJ Stroud. He's not Justin Fields, but he is, uh, I think, a better quarterback than I've been giving him credit for just after getting named starter officially over uh, Devin Brown. So good on them. They obviously have still a very daunting schedule in front of them. Um, you know, they get a little bit of a break here with Maryland, Purdue, but then they have Penn State looming in the third week of October. Uh, and then let's not forget, they do have to go to Michigan at the end of the season. So there's still a lot of chances for them to trip up. But I think with the momentum rolling and the confidence now that they received with that game, um, I think that they are uh, they're sitting in a very good position. Notre Dame, on the other hand, you hate to see it, but they're kind of one of those teams that probably has to win every single game. They don't have a conference championship, so they have to win every single game pretty much to make the playoffs. So it's not done. It's not dead. They certainly could bounce back and and and. If they win out, uh, it certainly could happen if other people kind of cannibalize themselves. We're already talking about the SEC being down and things of that nature. Um, but but probably not the best look for Notre Dame as uh, they get ready. But uh, like I said, 17 to 14, the, the Buckeyes get it done. That's the real the real conversation that should be surrounding this game uh, and good on the Buckeyes as they head into that midseason um, for, uh, for them and their young QB. Uh, any comments on this game or do you want to hit us with your good? Um, yeah, you know, this was late in the evening, so I was, um, you know, doing some other things, wasn't totally as locked in as I would have liked, um, uh, but did get to watch most of this game. Uh, yeah, gutsy performance down the stretch there for Kyle McCord. Um, you know, Notre Dame has a pretty good defense and, and that showed tonight and, um, you know, Kyle McCord is no CJ Stroud, but, um, I think you learned something about his moxie, about his, uh, his guts, um, going down, leading the, leading the team down. Um, you know, I, I do, it's kind of, it, I'm going to get some eye rolls here, but I do feel like Notre Dame kind of let that game slip away. Um, I agree. You know, I, I definitely I think that, uh, you know, it wasn't like a fluky thing where Ohio State didn't earn the victory. They definitely did. That was a heck of a drive. Um, they converted on fourth down, I think not once, maybe even twice. Um, and then to punch it in like that, uh, uh, very gutsy, but it just felt like Notre Dame, you know, got tight uh, down the stretch of this this one, and, and it was like they just wanted it to be over. They were wishing for the time to hit zero, and um, and, and they didn't finish the drill. And and, to, and and I don't know if you saw the um, comments from Freeman after the game saying that he didn't want to run somebody on the field because he didn't have any timeouts and it would have been a penalty. Well, they ran it right in the gap where there was the, the player was missing. So what would be the point? Uh, why, why wouldn't you get a penalty there to get the, that extra guy out there and shore right. up your defensive line? And and so I, I don't get that. That was a little bit strange to me. So, um, you know, I, I do think Notre Dame is a very good football team. If they do run the table, then they could be right there in, in playoff talk and, and potentially could get in. Um, I think probably will get in if they can run the table. They've still got USC out there. They've still got some good games uh, to play. So um, they still have everything out in front of them. It's, it's a top five, top ten team that they lost to. Um, so, you know, it, it hurts today. But, uh, you know, if you keep plugging along, Notre Dame will have every chance. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, what was your uh, good of the week? My good of the week, and I could have flipped this to uh, to ugly of the week, but um, I, I, mine is Oregon. I, I don't know if you got to catch that game. It was over, you know, pretty much after the first quarter um, and, and was one you could kind of tune out. But Oregon just came out, man, and they just they they just took it to Colorado. They were not messing around. They were not going to play with their food, um, and, and I think that's really smart. I was interested to see how they came out from a pace standpoint, uh, simply because I think if you get in shootouts um, or if you go up tempo and you give the give Colorado and Shadour Sanders more time to be to to throw the ball around, they're going to be able to put up points. And boy, Oregon just shut them down. 
Um, defensively, really got after Shadur Sanders. That's always been my worry. Um, their offensive line isn't so great. It's kind of on him to, to to bounce around there and make people miss and 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 play hero ball. And it, it just wasn't there tonight. Um, so give credit to uh, to Oregon. They really did a good job of, of frustrating him all night. And and offensively, man, this team. Um, you know, I, I saw some people saying that Oregon. Um, going to Texas Tech and, and just sneaking out a victory, even though it looked like they there was chances where they, I, I think some people thought they were going to lose, and I, I was one of them. Um, and they pulled it out, but that's a place, uh, Lubbock at night is a really tough environment, really tough place to go. Um, so I don't hold that against them. And I think you're, I think with Bo Nix and uh, Dan Lanning, um, who brings a little bit more of the mentality of a, of a Saban, of a Smart, of these um, you know elite ball clubs and, and championship clubs, I think you're seeing this team's for real this year, man. I mean, they've they've certainly got some tough games uh, down the stretch, but uh, they've they've showed me a lot uh, in in the first four weeks, um, uh, putting up a lot of points, you know. In tough games, uh, you know, where maybe not everything's going your way, uh, a la Texas Tech, and they pull that one out. And then with all the hype and and glitz and glamour around this Colorado team, just putting that to rest pretty easy. So um, this Oregon team uh, really impressed me yesterday and I think has a chance uh, Has a chance. There's a lot of good teams in the Pac-12 this year, but has as good a shot as any to to advance out of that Pac-12 as a champion. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, I did watch most of this game, if not every single bit of it, you know, maybe didn't catch some snaps because I was looking over at another TV. But uh, yeah, everybody was watching this game. It's the Dion effect. Um, You know, there was nobody who was watching this game that did not have a thought with who they wanted to win. You've got all the people who are riding and want the prime effect to just keep rolling on. Then you got the people who are rooting for them to lose. Um, And I thought Dan Lanning and company just went in. They had very cool heads. They got it done. And it was just never a question. Um, Travis Hunter obviously out hurt Colorado. Uh, but they also, they turn around, now they have USC next week as well. And and I think that they have, obviously, every shot to be bowl eligible by the end of this. And I think they will be. Uh, but but it is, you know, when you are going, when you are going to put all of the eyes on you and you're going to have all the spotlight they have, you're going to get the, the, the competition's best. And, um, you know, they couldn't, they tried to make things personal and stuff like that, but ultimately Dan Lanning and company. And Bo Nix, credit Bo Nix, absolutely. Uh, transfers from Auburn and has, Definitely played the part of a good, not even just good, like a star QB for Oregon. And I think that that transfer pickup was fantastic for them, um, ultimately. Uh, and, and they get it done, like you said. Uh, my bad of the week, Pierce, the LSU Tigers. They welcomed in Arkansas. That final, I believe, was 37-34, ultimately, when all was said and done. And you're probably like, or no, sorry, it's 34-31. You're probably like, well, why are they listed as one of your bad? Um, I was super high on LSU in this one. I thought there's no chance in hell they don't cover the 17 and a half point spread, which is what it was at. Arkansas lost last week to BYU at home. They, I mean, if KJ Jefferson doesn't have good games, they just can't put things together. Um, and I thought they're going in, they're playing in Death Valley at nighttime. LSU knows that they have to kind of circle the wagons and and, and play um, impressively because of how things sh- shook out with the FSU game. FSU goes and has a very much a struggle with Clemson uh, to start the uh, day. And then we end with watching Arkansas barely squeak one out against, uh, I'm sorry, LSU barely squeak one out against quote unquote rival. No, for the audio, I'm making quotes because I don't really consider that big of a rivalry, but they do play for the golden boot. And uh, ultimately LSU does get it done, but not in impressive fashion. And so maybe I'm dinging somebody unwarrantedly because of the fact that they didn't get things done with style points. Um, but you know, it, that's kind of Brian Kelly's MO a little bit. Like it's a little bit of his MO. 
Um, and I would have liked to have seen them get things done a little bit better because I don't think Arkansas is a good team. I think Seth Pittman's a great guy. I don't think he's a great coach. I don't think KJ Jefferson's an impressive QB. Um, so we'll see what happens with LSU. It just kind of reiterates how wide open the SEC West is. There is no one team that screams, oh my gosh, this is the best team and there's no way that they're, you know, going to lose. Um, you know, there, you can probably, probably point to some that might be the worst. Um, but, you know, I'm looking at LSU right now and I'm like, they have to go to Missouri next week um, and unbeaten Missouri for what it's worth. Uh, and I'm like, you know, who knows what happens there? And then, of course, we know that they get Alabama in November um, at Brian Denny. So uh, they definitely still have a, some pretty fierce competition in front of them. And, I, you know, the the loss at the beginning of the season is aging not not well for them. So, um, like I said, kind of stupid to ding somebody for style points. But uh, we're at that point where with how much action was going on and how good these games were, you got dinged for not having style points, LSU. Sorry about it. Um, all right, Pierce, what is your bad of the week? My bad of the week is the Ole Miss Rebels. Um, <clears throat> man, I, it's funny. The first real ha- really half of this game, um, it could have been the other way. It could have been my bad was was shaping up to be Bama uh, potentially. But man, Ole Miss, when when you've got a down Alabama, you got to take advantage of it. Lane Kiffin was talking some smack, you know, getting on social media all week. Uh, you know, it, it, hyping the game up, you know, talking about, how, you know, the defensive coordinator is not calling the defensive play calls and this, that, and the other. Um, <clears throat> and it just seemed like they weren't aggressive enough tonight. Um, I, I know after the game, Lane Kiffin pretty much said as much. Um, was You could tell he was really disappointed. Um, just just didn't, didn't have it today. And, you know, you give credit to Alabama's defense, but when you got a team that doesn't score too many points and they have their own uh, issues on the offensive side of the ball, a team like a, a, an Ole Miss needs to be able to put up points, and they ought to be able to put up points. They've got weapons. Um, they, they have a capable quarterback. And it just didn't seem like they, uh, they, they were playing aggressive enough in order to go into a, to a tough environment and pull out the upset. So um, my bad of the week is the Ole Miss Rebels, but very well could have been the other side. Uh, so um, very interesting game, kind of a dud. I thought this was going to be a little bit more of an exciting game um, and really kind of was flat after that um, amazing FSU Clemson finish. Um, and then also uh, looking forward to uh, the night slate. This one was kind of a meh game, um, and it was an even, even more of a meh game from uh, from Ole Miss. I think a lot of people thought, here we go, we're going to see the changing of the guard. This is it. You know, Bama looks so vulnerable and everything. Um, and I was sitting next to uh, a, a Bama fan who kind of overheard a conversation I was having um, about Bama, and he kind of butted in, and he was like, well, you know, we really did bench Jalen Milrow to build character and stuff. And I was like, okay, I don't buy that for one second. Nick Saban might tell you that that's, you know, what they had to do to Michael Jordan to get him to unleash a different level and stuff like that. And that's legit what he said. But Jalen Milrow is no Michael Jordan. He he got benched because they thought, well, hopefully, and maybe there's some motivation, but they were thinking, hopefully here we've got something better on waiting in the wings. Um, and so, yeah, very dud of a game, but ultimately Bama just does what Bama does. And they remind everybody that they still are, uh, you know, that dynasty and one of the better teams in the country. Um, and, and ultimately Lane Kiffin poops the bed again. And that's just how it goes. I don't know why he feels the need to really stir up controversy each time he plays Saban, uh, especially in Bryant Denny, but for some reason he loves to do that. Um, and I don't think there's a lot of love lost between the two of those guys. So very interesting, but Bama Bama holds it together and they get it done. Um, and and we'll see what happens with them down the stretch because I, I do think they're getting better with each game. 
Um, but I don't think that they're the world beaters they used to be. So uh, we shall see. Uh, all right, time to move it to our downright uglies, Pierce. And this could have been a good of mine, a good team, but I chose to do it as an ugly just because I wanted to be able to talk about it. And I wanted, you know, we, there's a little bit of jockeying that we do with this. Let's be honest here. And that is the Iowa Hawkeyes. They were the number 24 team in the nation headed into Happy Valley to take on the number seven Penn State and the Lions. They put up a big old fat goose egg. Big fat goose egg. They lose that game 31 to zero. Um, Penn State cements, hey, we are really here. We are here to do some stuff and, and make some damage. It was a whiteout. I love the whiteout. That's one of the coolest scenes in all of college football. Um, but here's the thing. The reason that's the ugly is I know that it's probably getting tiresome for people to hear about and talk about. But I will put this thing in Brian Ferentz's contract that said you have to average 25 points a game. Now, they put up 41 last week, but, uh, you know, a big old fat goose egg on the road does not look good for that. And it's just interesting because it's like, even though they might look like maybe, hey, maybe they're turning some stuff around on offense and might be getting it together, it just kind of shows that they really need to move on and just figure out something different at offense, probably even at the head level as well. Um, but if Iowa wants to really get back to prominence, and now here's the thing, it's just because of the conf or the division they play in, which I'm super excited for those to go away, but because of the division they play in, they're continually in the Big Ten Championship, so they kind of do what they need to do to not have to make those changes. But when you get beat like this by uh, you know, a conference foe, you don't want to see that happen. So just not a good performance by them at all. Really weren't able to get anything, any kind of momentum on offense, um, and and couldn't really stop them on defense either. So I don't think anybody thought Iowa was going to potentially win this game, but God, you want to see a little bit more life. Um, and it was one that didn't stay on my TV for very long. I flipped very quickly over to a different game because it was over before it even really got started. Um, and just a terrible, not good performance from the Hawkeyes. Not to beat it in too much, but just not good from them. So We'll see what happens with them uh, in the next coming weeks. All right, Pierce, this is a surprise. You didn't have one going into the recording. So what's your uh, ugly of the week? Yeah, there were there just wasn't as much ugly uh, from the games that uh, were, were in the primetime slots um, this week, in my opinion. There were a couple standouts. Um, I thought about going unique here. Um, but I'm, I'm going to call out the Florida Gators. That, I think of the teams that maybe kind of laid an egg. And, and I get it coming off an emotional, big upset win over Tennessee last week in the swamp. Um, they were feeling good. I'm sure they were kind of reading the press clippings this weekend. Um, but, but to play a Charlotte team and to only score one touchdown is just downright awful, in my opinion. Um, the, the offense was just so so today. Um, you know, Graham Mertz was okay. Not, he was, I mean, he was efficient. Um, and, and he didn't turn the ball over, which is important, but they couldn't really get the ground game going like they did last week against Tennessee. Um, Ricky Pearsall was the lone bright spot, but a team that, uh, you know, was coming off a big win last week, an emotional win. You expect them to maybe get, you know, have a slower start this week. Um, but this has the been, this has been the problem, um, with Napier it was the problem last year. It just doesn't seem like he can keep things going. Um, you know, they got a big victory. They got a big victory against Utah last year. And then immediately, I think two weeks later, um, you know, lost and, and, and I think it might've been to Tennessee, um, and, and had some duds last year. And it just seems like it's very inconsistent. I'm um, out of this Napier led ball club. Um, I know they're not, they're not where they want to be or where they, uh, you know, where they want to be from a talent standpoint just yet. Um, we'll see if Napier can get in the talent that he, uh, that they want, um, this next recruiting class seems to be, uh, you know, kind of his saving grace. If he were to struggle this year, they would definitely look into firing him or, or letting him go. But this, this, this class, if this class can stay together, um, it might be enough to, to save them because they've got a lot of good talent coming in. 
Um, and, 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 but I just, you got to see more consistency out of them. Uh, it's inexcusable to only score one touchdown against a Charlotte team who, um, you know, is one and three on the year and just quite frankly, not a great, um, not a great team, just a very blah team, very, you know, a team that uh, like Florida should go out there and at least put up mid to high thirties and, and win by 28 plus and, and to go out and play, uh, and, and, and be 22 to seven, not score a touchdown outside of the, um, early in the first quarter is just unacceptable. If, uh, in my opinion, so my ugly of the week is the Florida Gators. Yeah, they did not look good. And I was, I kind of foresaw that a little bit because of the emotional hangover, but still, it's at home. It's Charlotte. You should go out and handle business. And, uh, it, you know, they didn't. So on the flip side, you had Tennessee, which absolutely dominated against UTSA. So, yeah, you called that one. And I was on it yesterday, I too. I, I like that spot. Um, UTSA hadn't really impressed much this year. Yeah. Um, I, I backed them against Houston and Houston, who, as we've seen, is just not a great, great team in the Big 12. Um, they they were able to beat UTSA and UTSA, uh, you know, had a little bit of a letdown last week, too. Um, uh, so, yeah good side on Tennessee, but sometimes, yeah, like you said, you expect it sometimes, um, especially with a team that's not world beaters, but uh, you know, you got to at least score, you know, 21 points, uh, three, at least three touchdowns against a, a team like Charlotte. Right. Even if it's a sleepy start, we all get it, but you have to be able to get it done. So um, everybody's thinking Napier's days are probably waning. We'll see. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something shocking again later on this season. Um, a little, maybe potential preview for things to come, but uh, yeah, I mean, Florida's question. It's just, it's just interesting. Very interesting. And, uh, it's time for them to come to terms with the fact that the, uh, the Urban Meyer days are over. You still always will have that Swamp Kings documentary to watch to remember the good old, good old days that you had because you're really far from it. Um, I'm going to go through really quickly the rest of top 25 and then we'll hit your dudes and get you out of here. Just a quick one today, uh, for a recap for you. Um, all right. Number one in the nation, the Georgia Bulldogs take down UAB at home 49 to 21. A lot of people thinking that that was too many points to give up at home, but uh, offensively, finally, we're able to get some stuff going for the dogs. Um, Michigan wins 31 to 7. They did not cover. So just for what it's worth, they did not cover. Um, but uh, a lot of people were thinking that uh, Rutgers was going to keep it closer than they did. Um, depending on what you got it, at, I think I got it at like 24 and a half. Um, number 16, Oklahoma takes down Cincinnati 20 to 6. <laughs> Number four, Florida State beats Clemson on the road in OT, 31-24. Quite the story there, Pierce. I literally, we so by the time that the, um, it just so happened that we ended up picking a sports bar that was, I guess, an Auburn bar. Did not realize that going into it, but they had the Auburn game piped in for sound. And that game was such an d- ugly one that they, they by the end of it, they had flipped over to Florida State, uh, Clemson. And um, going into that kick, that last second kick, uh, you know, he, the, the, if you didn't hear the story, so it's this guy that had been on the team, uh, I think his name was like Whites or something like that. And Jonathan Whites, he had been on the team for four years prior and had left the team because he wasn't really playing. Um, but he still is enrolled in online grad school. And so this week they needed a kicker and they called him up and he's back on the team and he made his like first three. He was doing very well. And going into this thing, it was, a, it should have just been, I don't know how much it was. It was like maybe 31. It was, it was, should have been, a, it was a chip shot. Like he should have nailed this thing. And they're going in and they're talking about it. And they keep showing his family in the box and they're just keep talking about what great story is and how great he's been today and blah, blah. And I literally go, well, he's going to miss it because I was like, listen, <laughs> there is something to be said about Juju. And they mojoed the hell out of that kicker going into that. The announcers could not get over themselves talking about how excited they were to see this and how good he'd be and what it was, a, what a story had been and how blah, blah. And then he misses it. And it leads to uh, Florida state being able to, um, 
win in overtime 31 to 24. So just goes to show you, you might be high, but uh, might be riding high on somebody. But uh, know that if you talk about it too much, the universe always writes that writes that wrong. Uh, number 20, Florida or Miami gets it done uh, on the road at Temple 41 to seven. Alabama uh, beats Ole Miss at home 24 to 10. Oregon manhandles Colorado 42 to six. Duke at UConn 41 to six or seven. I'm sorry. The Blue Devils continue to roll. Utah still did not have Kemp Rising, but it didn't matter because they won in a very, very slow game, which I thought would have been way more high scoring. 14 to 7 over number 22, UCLA. Tennessee wins 45 to 14 over UTSA. LSU 34, Arkansas 31. Florida Gators 22, Charlotte 7. Washington State 38, Oregon State 35. That was a good game as well. Um, Baylor, number three in the nation, they beat Baylor 38-6. to six. Woof, that was a boring game. Uh, number six, Ohio State beats number nine, Notre Dame 17-14 to 14 in South Bend. Uh, Penn State 40, or 31, Iowa 0, North Carolina 41, Pittsburgh 24, Washington 59, Cal 32, and last but not least, USC 42, Arizona State 28. All right, that does it for our look around the league and the top 25. And now it's time to hit you with the individual performances. It's time for the dudes of the week. There were a lot this week, Madison. A lot of lot of big numbers on the board. Um, so I'll try to fly through these as quickly as possible. Got to give a shout out. It wasn't um, didn't end in the result that he wants. And I know I usually don't put guys uh, on here that um, were in a losing effort. But Will Rogers got back into his air raid type of numbers uh, going 30 of 48 487 yards nearly had 500 um he did have a, t- a touchdown did throw one pick um but kept them in the game there at south carolina um when when i really thought south carolina was going to blow them out so um give kudos to will rogers byram brown quarterback for south florida um they get the win 42 to 29 over rice he goes 22 of 29 for 435 yards two touchdowns and zero interception interceptions uh Big, big, big shout out to Cam Ward, man. We he, He's been on the braggers list once or twice already this season. Washington State gets the upset over Oregon State, 38-35. Cam Ward goes 28 for 34, 404 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and also tallied uh, a number of yards on the ground. Ben Bryant, quarterback at Northwestern. That's right. Northwestern, as they get a huge upset win over Minnesota, 37-34. Ben Bryant was the catalyst for that, 33-49 of for 396 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions uh, as the Wildcats get a much-needed result. Um, And last from the QBs, Jack Plummer, quarterback at Louisville, uh, 56-28 over Boston College, 18-21 of for 388 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Um, From the running back standpoint, you had a number of them. Ishmael Mahdi, Texas State, uh, 260 yards on, on 21 carries, two TDs. Uh, DJ Giddens for Kansas State, um, 44-31 over UCF in that one. 30 carries for 207 yards uh, and four touchdowns. Um, and got to give a, a big shout out to the receivers this week. Uh, as I said, a lot of big numbers from the quarterbacks. And, and obviously, there were a lot of guys at eight uh, from the receiving standpoint. Uh, Naeem Simmons for South Florida, 42-29, like I said, over Rice. He had eight receptions for 272 yards. That's 34 uh, yards per reception. Uh, Did tally a a touchdown as well. Um, Ledetrick Griffin, Mississippi State, receiver, seven receptions, 256 yards and a touchdown. Um, Bryce Kurtz in that big Northwestern upset gets 10 receptions, 215 yards, two TDs. Um, Xavier Leggett, I don't know if you saw that – 
that uh, you know skinny post that he had. I think it was a skinny post, and boy, um, or maybe it was a dig route. And he took he took off and left four or five defenders in the dust um, for a big guy like that man to see those those burners was very impressive. He tallies five receptions for 189 yards and two touchdowns in their win over Mississippi State. And last but not least, Luther Burden the third wide receiver at Missouri. Um, was a shaky game for them coming off a big upset last week. So, you know, maybe a little bit of a letdown spot. Memphis is not a, not a bad team at all. Um, they get the win 34, 27 Luther burden was a big part of it. Uh, 10 receptions, 177 yards on the day uh, for LB the third. Um, those are my braggers of the week. All right. Absolutely. Dominant performance by many guys around the nation. You love to see it Mark it in your calendars. That was a fantastic weekend of football and uh, I'm already ready for the next one. I'm already ready for the next one because you know what? I just watched the Titans absolutely get manhandled. So NFL <laughs> season's over. Uh, I'm ready for hockey season and uh, for uh, baseball playoffs and uh, continue on with college football. Because in my mind, NFL season, it's over. It's done. It's cooked. Tank for Caleb Williams. All right. That hey, is going to hey, do it. Speaking of which, sorry to interrupt. But no, go ahead. I don't know if you saw the scores uh, uh, currently going on. But I don't know if the, if the, if the Titans are capable of tanking hard enough to outdo the Chicago Bears. So that's fair. Um, they are hands down worse than every. Horrible. It is bad. Justin Fields has 39 yards passing Madison. 39. They're down 41 nothing. They, they ought to be throwing the ball every freaking play. Um, maybe he got hurt. I Obviously, we haven't been watching. Um, so if he is hurt, uh, you know, I take back what I said. But man, just, just really, really bad play. So. Looks like they might be able to get Caleb this year, but Titans, you know, NFL is a weird, a weird game. It, it's very tough because the t- the talent level is so close to one another right. that any given week, you know, if you're not ready and if you don't play well, you can get beat pretty good. Um, yeah. And the same, you know, can go at home. I'm sure we'd have a better effort. So a long way to go, but yeah, it's uh, there's definitely some deficiencies on uh, Tennessee's team. That's the issue though with the Titans is like you know. Granted, you don't want to be so down with the Bears where it's like you really need way more than just a good quarterback. It can happen. I mean, look at Joe Burrow with the Bengals. Like, you know, they get one good quarterback. People want to play with them, you know, give it a couple years type situation. But, um, you know, it's it's certainly a swing on, you know, to be like, okay, like this is the guy. But the Titans are always just going to be okay. Like, they're never going to be great. They're always going to be okay, but they're also going to be like horrible. So, like, you don't have a good draft pick. And then you're also not really like going to sniff the playoffs. And if you do, you're going to be out in the first round anyway. So it's just kind of like, you know. But you know, I, I thought Arizona was going to be the worst team, uh, and uh, they are they're beating the Cowboys pretty not pretty well. They were pretty handily, but it's a th- twenty one to thirteen right now. So this is not an NFL podcast, but um, I'll put it this way: NFL season over. Titans terrible. Derrick Henry washed. Get rid of him. All right, that is going to do it here for Bragan Rights. We'll be back just so shortly. I'm I'm actually going to be off uh, later on this week, so we're going to get these episodes out to you a little bit earlier than we would. Um, so you're going to see these preview episodes and everything a little earlier than you might just cause I'm going to be out of pocket. So, uh, appreciate y'all. That's why we're so low energy today is cause it's Sunday and we're both tired and, uh, trying to fight off the Sunday scary. So, uh, follow us on social media at bragging pod. I was giving out some pics on Instagram yesterday. Um, I'm not sure I didn't check Twitter all that closely, so I'm not sure what, how active we were on there, but, uh, make sure you're following on social media at bragging pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, so we can get you even more more real-time bets and things of that nature if that is what you're into. Um, at the very least, we can real-time react to games with you. Uh, but that is going to do it here for us this week. Uh, with this recap, I should say. We will see you in just like a day. Uh, but until next time, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all. Stay blessed, y'all.